Hey, what's up, guys? It's Kota. Welcome back to the Chief Greatness Podcast, and I'm so excited for today. Not only this is the first episode of 2021, 2021 is going to be one of our great years, and I can just feel it. So with that being said, we have a special guest today. One last thing, if you guys really enjoy the podcast, I would love it if you guys could at least share, hit that subscribe button, and it would really, really help out if you can actually write a review on the podcasting app you know if you could leave a five-star review that'd be great let's do this if you leave a five-star review and you can dm me a picture of your review i will give you a special gift so really appreciate it if you guys can all do that really mean the world to me find something really valuable or something really helpful from all these guests that we've been learning over the times feel free to share it share it around i always share it all over the place so yeah with that being said let's get started with the show 2021 off to amazing year kota roll the intro music Welcome back to the Chief Greatness Podcast. Today, I'm so excited. We have a special guest, but it is not, it's an athlete, but he's not a soccer player. I know, guys, we've been interviewing a lot of soccer players, but although he's not a soccer player, he can probably still ball out most of you guys on the field because he does have the techers, right? So he's actually a professional basketball, former professional basketball player, originally from Nigeria, transitioning um, as a business person and going into healthcare, uh, played Division One basketball NCAA at Seton Hall University, uh, playing professionally for over 10 years overseas in various countries and also in the NBA, played for his national team as well in Nigeria, business and entrepreneur motivational speaker for uh, youth all over the area. Uh, but most importantly, the, as I got to know him over the time, I just, I'm just really truly best to have the friendship that we have over the years. Um, so with that being said, you know, he has a truly big heart and I could, it's someone that I could always reach out to. So with that being said, I would like to introduce you to Augustine Augustin. So welcome to the show, Augustine. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. That was, that was very kind of you. Um, lots of uh, kind words from you and I really, I really appreciate it. I feel the same. Thank you. I mean, yeah, definitely. You know, um, I also want to give you thanks to you. You know, when I first started, you know, uh, talking to you about, you know, hey, I want to try pursue soccer or me trying to grow in my brand. You always like was able, it was someone that I was always able to reach out to, you know, and you're always like someone that wants to help and give advice and help other people out. And I always just saw that you had just a big heart, you know, and I think that's one of the reasons why we still connected. Um, And I just saw a lot of inspiration through you. I'm like, wow, you know, this guy playing at the highest level, but at the same time, still wanting to give back and, you know, uh, help out each other. So thank you very much. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Just, um, they said, uh, each one, uh, reach one, you hey. know, I've heard before in the past and, um, I've, I grew up, you know, just growing up in Africa itself is, um, it's a whole different kind of mindset. You know, everybody always looked out for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and, even be blood related it could be a neighbor it could be a friend it could be someone a stranger so i think growing up with that attitude um is something that, that i'm blessed to to have seen mm-hmm. uh, or you know at a very young age and and i think it's going to be a part of hassle of who i am i'm uh, always trying to help one and and um then it comes back to you also because people always try to help me right um, right, right people so yeah, so I mean, Augustine, I met you about a year ago. You have great mindset. I just really love the way you hold yourself as a person. I, I see the character um, that you are. But I mean, like, you know, you never came out that way, right? So I want to kind of touch upon, like, you know, you told that you grew up in Nigeria. 
um, I want to kind of know like how, you know, how did Augustine came to be? What was the upbringing like? How did, how did you end up coming, you know, because you're not originally from America, right? Right. So tell me a little bit about that story, like the beginning, how you ended up getting into basketball. Um, so I, I, was, um, I was born in Nigeria, uh, like you mentioned, and um, growing up one of nine kids. Wow. Uh, yeah, big okay. from very big family, the same mom, the same mom and dad. Um, it was just like, you know, we struggled quite a bit, you know, so um, we didn't have a lot of opportunities there. Um, but we always had hope that things would get better. Mm. And so I, I can remember I was always, I've always been a dreamer. Mm. Uh, I always see things in, in, in ways that most people wouldn't see it. And I'll stick to it. Sometimes it doesn't happen, but most of the time it does. Mm. Um, so I, I played soccer for the first uh, 15 years of my life. Okay. Every single day. Right. Out playing soccer. Um, in fact, um, unlike a lot of kids in this present day and time where, you know, they could be out doing something really egregious mm -hmm. uh, to get into trouble, my kind of trouble as a teenager was playing too much soccer. Mm, okay. Yeah. So my parents would want me at home, would not want me at home hanging out with my family or, or with the family or, you know, doing my homework. Um, but instead I'd rather be outside playing soccer. Right. So that was how the trouble I would get into as a teenager that I can remember. Mm -hmm. Um, but I remember a neighbor basically convinced my mom that I was too tall to be out there running with the little guys and he had to play <laughs> basketball and, he just kind of forced it, you know, on her to some degree. And she got convinced that, okay, that she should, maybe I should try it. So she encouraged me to play. Um, and I started practicing with a, with a state team in Nigeria. And one team led to another. I went to a bunch of basketball, uh, two basketball camps, actually. And okay. one of them fell. Yeah. And I got a scholarship. And then I moved wow, to America. that's crazy. Yeah, so you kind of just fell into it. Like, you just, you were playing soccer. You thought you wanted to play soccer. And then someone just convinced you playing into basketball. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Wow. Okay, awesome. Yeah. So then you keep on playing. So you start playing basketball in Nigeria. And then, so, you know, probably... It, at the time, like, how old are you probably in that time? I, so I quit. I didn't actually quit. I started playing more basketball than soccer. Oh, okay, I okay. Um, I, started, I played basketball for less than a year because I came to the U.S. at 16. You oh, know? okay. So I played soccer uh, for 15. I started playing basketball, you know, for about a year, a little over a year maybe, I think. And um, right before I turned 17, I, I came to the United States. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, so I was still 16. I came here, had my 17th birthday here. Uh, had to do, um, uh, had to learn basketball really in America because in Nigeria, I just, I wasn't really good. I didn't even know the, the way the game was played, mm -hmm. but I was very thin and athletic and I was tall. Right. So any coach that saw me was like, whoa, this guy has all this, all the natural given talent. He just has to be, to be developed into uh, the person that we want him to be. So they believed in me, they worked with me, and things just got better over time. But it was a lot of work. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. How was that transition like going from Nigeria to U.S.? Like, you know, different culture. I mean, level of playing is a lot more higher. You probably struggled a lot of times as well, right? Like, how was that process? How were you able to overcome that? It was a bit of, I would say, it was fun, but it was very tasking. It was very, it was different. I almost actually quit. There was a time really? I quit basketball, yeah, because yeah. I was, man, this is not for me. It is too much. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I mean, I, I'm used to using my body, my full body to run, hit people, go around people and try to score a goal. 
to now I'm doing a lot of jumping, running mm -hmm. and jumping. Um, it was very hard. It was, it was a tough time uh, to transition, but um, I was determined to, to, to excel. So I stuck to it. And just being in America for me was like winning a million dollar lottery. Definitely. So I was going to, I was going to, you know, maximize the opportunity I had from be, to be here through basketball. So I just, I stuck to it. And um, yeah, a lot of tears and blood and sweat mm -hmm. and, uh, it's panned out for me in the end, and I'm thankful that I stuck to it. Right. Especially, you know, as an immigrant coming to America, right? A lot of times, you know, you have that American dream. You're coming from a different country, so you also have that underdog mentality. But you also, like you said, you're a dreamer, right? Something you want to um, aspire and get somewhere. Um, a lot of times, you know, like our listeners, they probably have a dream. They aspire to become a professional athlete. And like you said, there was times where it got really hard and you wanted to quit, yet you kept on persevering and you kept on going through. Um, I kind of want, want to also talk about a little bit, you're, you're kind of a person of faith and I kind of see that a lot. Um, and, you know, I, I think a lot of times your, your faith, your faith might have been tested a couple of times. Right. Um, how has that helped you out over, over your journey? Um, for me, my faith has been the the primary driver to my success. Mm. Um, uh, part of my religion um, talks about um, a man being, um, uh, it, it talks about, he uses analogy of a horse, basically. Like, the, like he says that the horse is gilded for battle, but it's God who grants victory. Wow. So for me, I translate that into my preparation as the horse being gilded for battle. The, the amount of time that I prepared, the amount of energy that I put in, the the countless hours that I put in, I consider that as what I can do. But I also pray to God to open the right doors, mm. to grant me the right, to put me in the right situation, to help me meet the right people so I can excel. Mm. So for me, my faith has been amazing. Uh, it's been an amazing part of my success because, um, yes, I do the work. Yes, I'm skilled. Yes, I'm athletic but I also pray every day and I ask God for guidance to help me meet the right people, make the right decisions. And, um, and it, it, it worked out perfectly. And even now in my career, um, in my new area that I'm going into with my career, um, which is healthcare and other business possibilities, I'm asking for, for guidance from God as well, that as I do the work, that he guides me in the right direction. That's really great. Awesome. I mean, definitely if everybody was just watching that, maybe they're in the car, rewind that because that was some that was some golden nuggets right there. So thank you very much for sharing that. Yeah, definitely. I was taking notes too. So awesome. So, you know, you come to America, it's kind of, uh, you know, you, you, your faith is being tested, you're going through a little bit of struggle, but you keep right. on pushing forward, right? So let, let's keep on progressing. You, uh, do you, you is this probably a time where you kind of start entering into college? Right. Okay. Right. So, so I uh, decided, so I had a guardian at the time who was uh, a parental figure for me here in the United States. Mm. Coming here by myself at such a young age, mm. very hard. And um, I'm, into, I'm coming to a new country. I know nothing about this country except things that I vaguely know from a, from a distance. Mm -hmm. uh, I had guidance from uh, a guardian um, and we uh, got me into prep school. I had to do one more year to get ready for college. I did prep school uh, for a year. It's a, uh, and it helped me to prepare for my SATs and ACTs that I needed to take. So I, yeah, I did, right. I went to, to school, uh, went to a junior college in Pennsylvania, 
Uh, from there, I went to Seton Hall University, and then I also did my last year in Northwood um, University in Florida, mm-hmm. um, where I graduated with a, a bachelor's degree in business administration. And um, I decided to to put that degree to the side uh, at the time and and chase uh, my passion, which is to play professional basketball, mm-hmm. and I went for it. And um, a lot of uh, things didn't pan out. Some things didn't pan out the way I planned, but in some some other ways, I I was blessed to see other. I was blessed to achieve other goals that I had planned, and um, it was it's just been a great great you know ten years of of playing professionally and. Now life is moving in a different direction, and um, I'm, I'm very thankful for it all. That's great. That's awesome to hear. So I know a lot of people, right, they, um, let's say they either aspire to play professionally or they want to play at a very high level, Division I, um, collegiately. What would you say, what are some advice you can give to those players that are looking to push to that next level? Um it's so many things that you can that they can do really well that you can do to set yourself apart, and it's it's kind of the things one of the things that we spoke about when I first met you, mm-hmm. uh, is find a niche, find something that you're really really good at. Um, this this from the 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 sports side. Obviously, if you're going to trying to go to college, you have to have good grades. You have to like make sure you excel in school. Uh, is that you need those two areas to be like those two eyes to be dotted and T's crossed for you to be a legit athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to have good grades, so make sure you study, focus, and get really, really good grades. And uh, the other aspect is the is the sports part of it. Uh, find a niche, find something that you do really well. If you are a defender in a soccer field, um, be try to be the best defender that you possibly can. Try to be the guy that is the most vocal. Um, you can be the guy that, that is the most vocal on defense. You're you're very agile. Um, you, you you just you, your reaction is really good. Um, you're able to, to, to make sure that the goalie's life is as easy as possible because you're getting things away from him. So right. he has pressure. Um, things that things that actually, th- those things are, are things that most people in the soccer field, uh, most fans do not know. Mm-hmm. But the people that would give you that contract, the person that would give you that scholarship, they see those things. Mm. Um, so don't try to be the person that is loved so much by the fans, by just who you are, but you're not the greatest person from the sports side, uh, from the professional side, excuse me. Right. So um, there, these are things that I've learned over time that there's just little things that you can do that separates you from everybody else, mm-hmm. that the people that are involved in the sports, they see those things. The fans only see the guy that scores the goals. Mm-hmm. The fans see the guy that is the star player of the team. But you can be the person that does something really well without being a star player. Um, for, for Messi, as an example, uh, for Messi to shine, uh, Neymar has to be an extraordinary player. Or, you know, whoever he's playing against, um, they have somebody's doing something that makes the star player look better. Mm-hmm. So it could be you. Now, if you have stardom in your, in your genetics, if you're that person that is the next Ronaldo or the next Messi or the next Latin, then be that person. But if you're not, find a niche and be the best person in that niche. If you're the assist guy that assists the star player to score, perfect passing the ball in the best angle so that guy can shine. And everybody's gonna remember the guy that scores the goal, but the professionals remember the guy. They know who they know your role. They know without you, that person would not excel. Wow, so that's find, crazy. find that niche. Find <laughs> that niche and harness it. 
Yeah, definitely. I think that just brought back so much. Um, when we you definitely when we were first talking, you definitely gave that like advice to me. You were saying how like um, have that one thing that stands you out from everything, and you're just way better than everybody at that. If that's if you're really good at passing, just get really good at passing. If you're an assister, get good at assisting. If you're crossing, and I think you were saying how like. I think you, as a basketball player, I'm not really, like, I don't know a whole lot about basketball, although I do watch the Lakers, and we did just win a championship, so we're super excited about that. Um, but basically, how you said you were, like, on the post, and you would just do the same move over and over again, just repetition over repetition, and you would just perfect it. And even if you perfect it, you would just rep it out, rep it out. So tell us how, let's say, like, you tell me, like, you perfected, how did you perfect one niche, and how did you keep on progressing so that that could stand out compared to the rest of the people or everybody else on the team? Um, you kind of already said it. It's just repetition. Repetition. Mm -hmm. and if you do anything really well, if you do anything over and over and over again, you become a master of it. Um, I just had this conversation with a kid that I'm training, one of the kids that I trained recently, and I was telling him, he seemed like he was getting frustrated in our workouts, and I tried to remind him while we're doing the workouts. The workouts is, is, is repetitive, because we have to perfect the skill. Um, you just have to do it over and over again. You have to do it really well. Um, not just doing it, you can rush through something over and over again for 30 years and, and, and when it comes time to do it and you have no clue what you're doing. But if you do it intricately, the way you imagine somebody will guard you here, so if you go here, you can turn around and do that, that way and you, you see that, the high that you're gonna score at a high level by doing it that way, you use that technique, that procedure, and that technique, and just and that format, and just do it that same way over and over and over again. Now the question is, what if they know you're going to do that move, and then they wait for you there? Mm. You know, what if they try to stop you because they know you're going to always go left and come back right? Right. You make that move your niche, but you have four or five counters around it. Wow, definitely. So you, I can, I can do, I can, I can one bounce, fake to the left, turn around to the right, shoot. I do that 30 times every day. So you know every time in the game, he's going to fake to the left, bounce right, come back to the left, shoot. So guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to, I'm going to fake all. I'm going to learn that move, perfect it. Then I'm going to create a, four counters around it where it's like fake left, come back to the right. First time I shoot it. When I come back again in the game, I'm going to do the exact same thing, fake left, bounce to the right, come back to the right. Instead of shooting, I'm going to do a fake because I expect you to jump because you know that's my, that's my go-to. You're going to jump as you're coming down. Now I'm going up. Now I shoot it. And that frustrates the defender because it's like, I could have swore he was going to jump. You know, then the third time I come, I fake left, bounce right, come back, fake up, and you don't jump. Then I fake back to the left. Then I fake again. Then this time you think I'm going to jump. Then you jump. Then I shoot. Then I, I shoot it again. So I'm tweaking the, I, I find the main move, and I just tweak it every single time. And no matter what they do, you have something. You show them the exact same thing every single time, but in the end, you put a twist to it. Wow, that's that. I don't, oh my god, I don't know if, if all the athletes just listen to that one part. That could literally separate you, like from. Wow, that is amazing. So definitely, find that niche and perfect it to the highest level. Once they probably know what you're gonna do, how can you take that to the next level? And Augustine just basically kind of broke that down for you, right? If you're gonna do a move, how can you counter? What's what are the next moves they can do? Like if a defender's coming at you, what can you do and what can you push for? And so definitely, um, over the years that I've been talking to people that are very high performers that are at the professional level, I see that it's not only just what they do on the field, like skill-wise, technical-wise, but it's also that 
next level mentality and professionalism, right? So right. as you've been playing professionally over the years for over a decade, what have you seen like compared to an average and ordinary player to a professional? What's that, what's that separation? The professional is, is disciplined. A professional athlete is goal oriented. Mm. A professional athlete keeps everything simple. Um, a professional athlete um, knows how to get to the to the end, has to get the knows how to get to the result of what they want without doing too much. Um, everything. The key word is simplicity. Simplify it. Simplify it. The the goal is to score. The goal is to defend. The goal is to assist. The goal is to create. Do the necessary steps to get there without doing too much. Um, a professional athlete is someone that is uh, is big on repetition. They don't they don't get sidetracked and say, "Well, that guy is doing that, so I have to do that now." And that guy is doing this, so I have to do that now. And then that person is doing it, I have to go that. They just they stick to something that is very simple. They stick to something that's complex. They find something that's complex. They narrow it down to a way that they can function at their highest level, and they just focus on that. That's what professional athletes do. And, and that's why they're, they're called professional athletes because they know how to, how, to be, how to perfect something to the point where they can be paid to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that has helped me in my career in, in being professional is, is just um, routines. Okay. You know, you find a routine, and a routine sometimes sounds like has a negative connotation to it because it's like, oh, it's kind of like redundant and you do it over and over and over again. No, you can, you can play with a routine. You know, you can have fun with the routine, mm-hmm. but still stay in the box. Right. So I think that's what separates people from that are that are professionals from from um, from from the, from the mediocre people that we have. Um, the amateurs, the, basically, right? Professional. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That's crazy. Yeah, what I've also seen is like professional people. They just they're fundam. It's like some. It's just like you said, simplicity. But the fundamentals are just so on point, and it's just right. that like their fundamentals will never get like you will never mess up a fundamental place is right. because at the end of the day even at the amateur level at the professional level there's still soccer there's still 11 players basketball it's still 5v5 you're still playing the exact right. same sport but the fundamentals and that simplicity just at the higher highest level and they're just repping it out and that's why they can get paid at that highest level so right. definitely wow that's amazing so um i kind of want to touch upon um, what was your first experience in like when you, when you first got that professional contract, like, can you walk us through how you're able to get that? You know, like you broke in, that was probably really exciting for you as well. Right. Like, can you tell us right. the, 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 the whole story about that? Yeah. My first professional contract was playing in the NBA D league. Okay. Uh, at the time it was called the D league. Now it's called the NBA G league. Um, I remember graduating from college and I had been to, I, I, I got an agent um, I, I researched uh, a bunch of agents at the time and I found a couple of guys that were interested in signing me and I, I went with the right person and I told them what my goals were that I wanted to start off playing in the NBA D league and see what possibilities come. And then I went to a, uh, a few NBA D league, um, tryouts. Um, then I, we applied for the draft and, uh, and then I got drafted. Nice. Today. So that was the biggest for me, which is like, man, this is amazing. This is a new chapter in my life. 
Uh, but I knew the road ahead was going to be tough. Mm. I knew it wasn't going to be the exact same thing as college. going to be like college, cranked up, mm. next level. Mm. So uh, I worked twice as hard and um, got to the camp. And I remember being, being so nervous, but also trying to keep a poker face and not show that I was nervous. <laughs> um, and, and one of the, the things that was, <laughs> this story is so, is so profound uh, in that I told everybody that I got drafted to the D League and I was going to the D League and from there I was going to the NBA and I did not know that the team drafted, the team needed 12 players, but they drafted 25 people. Oh. That they were, they were going to be cut, you know, a certain right. amount of people right. were going to be cut. Um, actually, more people were going to be cut than people that were going to be on the team. So mm. it was 30 guys that had to go home to make a 12-man roster. Wow. I remember getting there and it was all these people and I'm like, this is more than 12, you know? So it it was, it was very uh, shameful of me. I I imagine being very ashamed to go back home and tell the story that I didn't make the team Mm -hmm. when I just told everyone that I got drafted. Right. I put the pressure on myself by telling people. So I had to work harder to make sure that thing happened. I didn't go home. So I worked as hard as I could. And one of the things that I was doing was defending the life out of people. I just, I, I found a, a niche, which was defense. And my offense wasn't, wasn't as great at the time. And I was the highest communicator on the team and the best defender. That was my niche. And it kept me in the team. I ended up making a team of 12. And uh, I didn't get much playing time because I was a rookie. Um, but I made the team. It was really great experience for me and learning. Um, and then I did it again the next year. I got drafted on another team. And from there, my career started. It's amazing. Wow. Talk about putting your back against the wall. You thought like, you know, most people were like, oh my God, I got in, I got drafted. Everybody's celebrating. And then you get there and you're like, wait a minute, this is only just the beginning. And again, the road gets even tougher, right? Right. 12 man roster, only 25 there. And you're like, whew, like, I don't want to go back, you know, to my family saying that I didn't do it when everybody right. thought your career is about to get started. So, wow, a lot of pressure there. And at the end of the day, and, right? And one, one more, let's start to cut you short right away. One okay. more, one lesson. Never tell people about your success until you've made it all the way. <laughs> do not do it. Just keep it quiet. Be quiet. Go there. Do what you have to do. When you sign the big deal, when you make it high, they're going to find out anyway. So it's always best to just keep it as minimal as possible and just go for it. <laughs> Maybe sometimes you need the extra pressure to push you, right? <laughs> sometimes you do, but man, that was, yeah, that was some less. That if was you're like Augustine, if you have good mental toughness, then you'll be able to do it. But that actually makes sure. sense. Yeah, definitely. Wow. So a lot of pressure. You think you broke in, but a lot more pressure, definitely. Uh, yeah. Awesome. So... I actually found out a little bit. I want to talk about this. Um, you played overseas a lot of places, various places, but there's one thing in particular that I want to talk about. Um, you were saying how when you were playing overseas, I'm not sure what country it was, but during that time, there was like a civil war going on, right? right. Can you talk a little bit about that and the whole experience about that? Okay. Well, here's a summarized version of it. Okay. This could days. I was playing at the time at, in Libya. Okay. Libya at the time, a country in the northern part of Africa. Um, it's pretty close to Egypt. And um, they had a dictator 
uh, by the name of Muammar Gaddafi. He had been in power even since before I was born, mm. been in power for a long time. And um, I grew up hearing about this guy, you know, dictator. Um, Libya has a lot of oil, so there's a lot of interest there from countries all over the world. And um, there was a revolution that happened in Egypt at the time where they had to get the president out because he had been there for a long time and they needed the right person to be there. That revolution happened in Egypt, ended. Uh, why the revolution was happening in Egypt, I was in Libya. So um, there was rumors that the next revolution was going to be in Libya. Mm. And nobody wanted war. Nobody wanted, you know, that to happen. Um, so the, the mindset was, no, it's not going to happen. It's just rumors. But I remember uh, it actually happened. I was there one day and we came back from practice and the street were clear. There was no cars. There were just, it just looked very, very odd. And people kept living. People that were in the dorms where we were staying kept living. And um, the biggest mistake we made was we didn't pack our things and left just like them. We decided to stay because we had called the coach and the coach had our passports. It was me and another guy from Ohio. Um, each team had two Americans. Uh, we were stuck there. Uh, we didn't get the passport from the coach and left. We didn't do that. So we ended up being stuck there. Uh, I almost lost my life. Uh, one day we tried to eventually, one day we tried to get to the U.S. Embassy to get a new passport to leave the country. And on the way back, we got ambushed, stopped by these militants. Uh, this guy had a huge gun to my back on my spine and he was just holding it there. And I, uh, we were basically trying to explain ourselves to them that we're, we're not part of the revolution. We're Americans. We're there playing sports. Um, like, it, it was just a craziest situation. And I remember just praying to God with my hands up, praying to God that this man doesn't shoot me. And uh, luckily for us, these soldiers came in their car. They spoke English. Um, the guys that were, they stopped us. They didn't understand English. They spoke Arabic. The taxi driver was speaking Arabic to them to let them know that we're just Americans. We have no issues there. And... Uh, the soldiers came, they spoke English, they de-escalated the situation, then they let us go. Um, then I went through some great ordeal trying to get from my hotel to the, to the airport because it was just gunfires on the street. It was not safe. Finally getting to the airport, it took me another three days to be able to go from the outside of the airport. No, sorry, it took me about a day and a half. I slept outside the first day. The second day, halfway through the day, I finally was able to to get inside the airport, because there was so many people trying to get into this tiny airport, the size of a, the size of two high school basketball gyms. Put that together, a two, two high school basketball gyms put together, two levels, that was the size of the airport. And it was like 30,000 people outside trying to get into this airport. And it was just the craziest situation. It was raining, it was cold. I had my luggage with me, craziest situation of my life. Thank God I was able to get in the airport. I remember buying, I remember buying flights, multiple flights, having my family buy multiple flights, just whichever one that was gonna get me out of Egypt and they all kept getting canceled. Um, but finally I was able to, I told them to buy a flight with Egyptian airline because there were so many Egyptians there at the time and yeah. the government was just sending a lot of planes to get all the Egyptians out of there. So they were, I was able to get in one of those flights to Egypt, then from there to New York and then to California to be reunited with my family. And uh, yeah, craziest situation of my life and my career, but thank God I survived it, I'm here. Um, actually, after I left, I think about a couple of weeks later, 
it got really bad. The actual war began wow. and it got really, really, really bad. And lots of people died and um, God rest his soul. But uh, I'm so thankful that, uh, that I made it through. Definitely. Wow. Definitely. What a crazy story. I just heard a little bit about that, but didn't know the severity about that, like to the point where like, you know, your life was endangered. Um, do you think in any way, like basketball helped you out with like, like going through that and how the mindset and everything, like, what was your thought process like going through that whole experience? My faith helped me out. Mm. Faith. Honestly, I remember just praying every day. I remember just quoting uh, Bible scriptures. Uh, there's several scriptures that I I remember just, you know, from going to church and being from a very religious family that talks about how God will not forsake us or leave us behind. And I remember just quoting those scriptures to myself and just basically challenging God that like, hey, I'm in the worst time of my life. You're not going to leave me. You're not going to forsake me. You're going to get me out of this. And I'm trusting you're going to do the job. Mm-hmm. And I remember saying that over and over and over and over and over again. To the point that it just, it just made me feel good. You know, every time I felt like we were not going to live there, we we're going to die there. I remember just quoting those scriptures and praying. And I also, we also did the work as well. Uh, we made the effort to get out of play, out of the, 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 the apartment and try to get to the airport. And um, yeah, I, I think my faith definitely was the strength that I had then. Um, it, it just, the, the, the mental toughness of sports goes out the window when, someone has a gun to your back. You don't even think of sport. You don't think of anything. <laughs> like, five, I need to not die right now. So I remember just praying to God to send help. And somehow those soldiers came to help us. They understood our plight. They understood that we were not on their side or against them. And we were just caught in the middle of uh, the war. <laughs> so wow. they let us. So. Man, thank you for sharing that. Wow, definitely. So, um... I know you are finishing up your career right now and then you are transitioning into business now. How has uh, you playing um, professionally, how has that helped you out in your business ventures? And um, I know you also have entrepreneurship uh, mentalities going on. Right. So do I. And I think that's also why we've connected really well as, um, right. as well. So right. what's the plan? Like, what, you know, have you been doing anything, been planning out anything? Yeah, I mean, um, due to the coronavirus that's happened right now, everything is slowed down for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're right now more in this, in a, in a stage of planning, preparation, mm-hmm. implementation. Um, so eventually, once everything opens fully and we're able to like go back to the norm that we had before, I think we prior to COVID nineteen, I think I would get the ball rolling with my career um, in in hospital administration and also starting possible possibly um, possibly starting some business ventures. Um, and also I'm looking to do some uh, consulting as well. And um, also manage to also um, be a motivational speaker as well with um, at-risk um, youth and try to help and instill some of the things that I've learned and, and know to them. Definitely. Um, the role that sports has played in all of this is uh, is that winning attitude that you have as a sportsman? Mm. Sports is is one of those things that is 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 cut and dry. Mm. There's there's a little bit of gray line in sports. There's either you're winning or you're losing. Mm. You talk that you can have a draw, but most even when you have a draw, somebody still wins because somebody has points. Mm-hmm. So 
that attitude of winning, that attitude of, you know, go, preparing for war, you know, which is the game, the war is the game in this sense, um, the attitude of preparing, the attitude of imagining what it would be like, knowing the other opponent's strategies and trying to counter it is what I'm bringing into this next phase of my life is basically just being overly prepared, um, having confidence that you're good at this thing because you put in the work and then just going there and executing. And um, the pressure that I've been through playing professional basketball, fans expect things from you. The GM expects things from you. Your teammates expect things from you. Everyone expects you to play your role to the T. You do that long enough, you build a stamina of, of fulfilling the expectations of people. Mm. So when I'm going into a work uh, force today, managing hospitals, helping doctors to practice medicine the best way, that is the attitude that I'm bringing in. Um, another, another thing that sports has taught me is people management. Mm. Uh, in competitive sports, you're, you're, you, you, you could be a leader of a team, but also you are within the team. So you have to know how to manage, manage working with people, mm-hmm. um, how to manage people's attitudes um, and, 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 and still get them to perform at a high level. Um, that's something that I've, I've learned through sports and I intend to bring into the next chapter of my life. And um, another great thing that I've learned through sports is the, the amount of places I've traveled to, the cultures that I've been immersed in and learning those cultures has helped me be a, a whole complete person. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have an American perspective with a lot of things, but I also have a worldly perspective on a lot of things mm-hmm. because I've seen the world and I've seen how people live in different places. Uh, like for example, living in Japan mm-hmm. taught me so much. Um, the Japanese people practice uh, Shintoism, the Shintoists, most of them. Mm-hmm. And one of the core structures of Shintoism is the is the idea of togetherness mm. never no one is ever an individual mm. you always do things for the collective mm. so japanese people always practice uh from what i saw um a way of making sure everyone is okay everything is done cohesively mm. not the mindset of oh i'm okay i don't worry about you mm. i have to make sure that i'm okay i have to make sure that you're okay and vice versa um and i think that's something that when i'm working um yes i'm going to have my own role to play but if there's ways I can get people to work with each other to make sure the collective is taken care of, mm-hmm. um, then that's what I bring. But I wouldn't have known that if I didn't travel there. Wow. And also Japanese people are big on doing things really, really well. Mm. Really, really, really well. Like a commitment to excellence. That's what I, I took when I came out of Japan was just, you know, um, other places, for example, where I've played, I don't want to you know, mention some countries, um, but out of some countries I've been to, I would have to fight and fuzz to get my salary mm. at the end of the month. But when I played in Japan, the, the, they, when they tell you you're going to get your salary at the end of the month, on the 31st of the month, you can sleep and bet your last dollar that on the 31st of the month, I don't care if there's a tsunami, there's a disaster, <laughs> earth flipped, the money's going to be there. Mm. So it's just that commitment to doing things well. So like you have to pay the person, you pay them on time. Mm-hmm. You have to pick the person up at 4 p.m. You show up at 3.58. It's just, it was just, it happened so much when I was there and it happened consistently that I'm like, wow, like these people really work like this. And, and you know, um, it, it was just amazing to see and I intend to bring that um, mm-hmm. into 
my next venture. And there's so many other things that I've learned, um, you know, from traveling, but those are just some of the next small things. I'm Japanese, so maybe I've been in America too long, so I might have to go back and visit my family so I can learn all those experiences again. Right. Like, that's really crazy. One of the things, so the reason why I also wanted to start Achieve Greatness, right? It's whatever platform it may be, for you, it was basketball in particular, and you took that to the highest level you can possibly do. For me, I'm trying to get that in soccer. So whatever they mean, if you're a dancer, if you're a musician, if you're an actor, right? You're trying to pursue it to the highest degree. You want to become the best version of yourself. And throughout that, you've just learned so much experience in sports. You were saying about a winning attitude, that mindset, overly preparing, right? cultures and being able to have different perspective just you being able to reach to become the highest version of yourself you innately learn so many skill sets and lessons that are just basically priceless right that eventually now because you pursued it at a very high level you're just at whenever the next phase comes in your life when and for you in particular that wants to go into business you're just way more prepared and you're way more professional and you're able to execute at a very high level. And that's basically what this program is all about. It's like, hey, whatever platform that may be, pursue this to the highest level, learn from other people's stories and perspective and journey and see what you can do and then being able to, you know, achieve your greatness at the end of the day. So just like that, you know, I always interview everybody and talk about like their experiences. They basically say the exact same thing, right? So thank you for sharing that. Um, I kind of just want to come down into the final questions before we kind of wrap up. Um, throughout your career, you had a lot of great memories, um, you know, playing professionally. What was your most favorite memory and one, one thing that stood out during your whole uh, career playing basketball over the years? Um, favorite moment? Yeah, favorite moment was winning a championship. Okay. The only championship I ever won in all my career from college to professional was winning uh, a championship in the Dominican Republic. And uh, I remember um, being traded to a team and the team wasn't doing so well, but we brought in another piece, which was in a, another basketball player who was really, really good at making the team cohesive. Mm. Uh, he wasn't the greatest scorer, wasn't the greatest on everything that he did, but he just knew how to get us together. Mm. Uh, his role play, that he played was one that had the ball. He had the ball in his hand a lot of time. He controlled the traffic a lot with the ball. Okay. And it changed everything. And we ended up getting to the finals as an underdog, and we won it. Wow. And I remember the fans being allowed to. They, they ran into the court. It was over. I still have a picture of, of it on my Instagram, I think, uh, of me shooting free throws. And you could just see all around. It was like 30,000 people there. And people running into the into the place and into the arena and like wanted to take your jersey from you and <laughs> to touch you and um, it was just a golden moment for me. Um, yes, it's the Dominican Republic. It's not like winning the NBA championship, but for me, that was like winning the NBA championship. The feeling, the celebration, the parade—it was it was unlike anything that I've ever experienced before. Um, so that for me was is my favorite moment playing professional basketball, um, and I have so many great stories as well. But just that, just that feeling of being a champion, is just something that you will never understand until you've had it. Right. I want to ask one quick follow up question. Right. Remember when we first got started, you said you wanted to quit basketball, and then you there was a lot of times where you thought you weren't going anywhere. You know, struggling a lot. And then you have that feeling when you win that championship. 
all that work, was it worth it? You putting in that effort? Absolutely. Absolutely. We all have, look, we all have moments in life. We want to quit something. It's not just sports. You, there's times you want to quit a relationship. There's times you want to quit a friendship, a job. You have to know why you want to quit it. You have to know that. And, and sometimes quitting something is good. It's not all bad all the time. Um, it, there's situations that is just, it's just like just horrible, and you cannot influence change in that situation, and you have to walk away from it. Mm. But if it's a situation that has to do with you versus you, then you you have to ask yourself a different kind of question. I'm the only driver to this car. There's nobody driving this car with me. Nobody influencing this, the outcome of the situation. That's where I, I encourage people to not quit because it's almost like quitting on yourself because you have to really dig deep to find something inside of you to push through it. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it has to do with some another person and you cannot control them or another company or another situation that is an external factor outside of your power to control, um, I'm not saying quit every single time, but I would understand somebody quitting because you cannot affect that change to, so, to some degree. Mm. So for me, I'm glad that I had to look internally. I had to dig deep, find the inner strength to push through. And um, I would do it all over again if I could. Awesome. Definitely. Right. It's always worth it. Everybody's always said it's worth it. That's great to hear. Let's change it up a bit. Okay. Uh, favorite memory to was probably one of your lowest points in your career, something that was pretty difficult, and how were you able to overcome it? Getting back on a basketball, getting back on a plane to go to another country to play basketball after Libya happened mm. was pretty tough. Okay. And, and guess where I went to the following year? Egypt. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. I know. So you're with your family, everything's all good, and then you just have to leave that behind. I had to, I had to be tunnel vision. I had to, like, I, I chose, I, I, I chose, here's the way I put it. I had amnesia to the disaster that happened to me. Mm. I made myself forget about it. <clears throat> because things are going to happen in your life. You're going to have a car accident. The house is going to burn down. Something tragic is going to happen. It happens every day to people. You have to find a way to bounce back. That's it. You're still living and breathing. If you're sitting around and feel bad for me and have an attitude that says feel bad for me and everything is just horrible, you're just putting yourself into a pit that you might never come out from. You have to find a way to have amnesia. And amnesia is basically losing memory. You have to lose the memory of what happened. You have to acknowledge that it happened. You have to, if you, have, if you need counseling, you have to go through counseling for it. Then at some point, you have to let it go mm. so you can move forward. Mm. Um, people that have done this are some, some, some of the most remarkable people that you ever met. This guy, I was watching a documentary. He got bit by a shark swimming in the ocean, surfing, mm-hmm. and almost lost his life. And, and everybody's screaming, why on earth would you ever go back in the water? Well, he went back in the water and won the championship a few years later. Mm. You know, Am I encouraging everybody to have that same mentality? <laughs> and right. yeah, but letting something cripple you, acknowledging danger is one thing, but like not letting it cripple you is a whole nother thing. So for me, the struggle was going back to playing basketball just anywhere in the world. Because now I had this feeling like, man, I'm not in America. What if something happens? What if something happens? But I had to forget it and move on with my life. 
I think one point, a lot of people, right, they have a lot of fear going on, right? What if I fail? What if it might not work out? For those people that have this underlying fear of what if, what's going to happen, how can you help those uh, people out? Don't have the fear of what if. If you, if you walk into any situation with a mentality of what if, you already lost. Hmm. Don't do it. You already failed. You're going into it with a losing mentality. You're going in there with a losing mentality. And <clears throat> I'm not a relationship counselor by any means, but I've had conversations with people before where I basically, I'm talking to a, a friend of mine and she's saying, well, I can't commit to guys because, you know, I'm, I'm scared that they're going to play me and that guy has played me in the past and this one has played me in the past. So I'm not committing. I cannot, how can I commit to him when I know he's going he's gonna to play me? Like, you already lost. You can never get commitment. Mm. You have to be willing to fail. You have to be willing to be played again. You have to be willing to lose that money again that you invested. You have to be willing to lose that friendship again for you to actually succeed. You know, so the idea of what if should not cross your mind. The famous um, Zlatan Ibrahimovic always spoke about that. He said, if you f- you're scared of breaking your leg when you run in a soccer field, they don't play soccer because you are going to break your leg. But guess what? You're going to get it fixed and you're going to go back to it. So mm-hmm. uh, my advice to people that have that, that attitude is don't have that attitude. Mm-hmm. Go in there telling yourself you're going to excel in it. Go in there, lie to yourself if you have to. Mm-hmm. Literally lie to yourself. Tell yourself you're the best prepared, but I'm not, I'm not saying just go in there and lie to yourself and not prepare. Obviously I want you to prepare, do everything you need to do. Watch the videos of the guys that have excelled that have gone before you, see what they've done, look at the technique that they've used and, and pray and practice from that perspective and be as prepared mentally and physically and emotionally as possible. Then you go in there with that attitude of, I am going to excel. Even though you know no one knows you, all these guys went to the Ivy Leagues, this guy's playing the NBA, this guy's, I know that name, I know that name, he's a star player, how on earth am I in here with them? And you feel small, still tell yourself, you're going to excel. Tell yourself they have one head, two, hand, two hands, and two feet like you. Then they don't have anything exceptional. They're the exact same human being in human form as you. They just have skill. Now you have the skill because you've practiced, you've prepared. The people in the audience do not know yet. Mm. Then go in there with that attitude and show them who you are. Yeah. Never going with the attitude of, oh, well, I, let me just give my best. I might fail you might as well just not do it. And this is why you're a professional, right? <laughs> Definitely, right? I, um, a, a lot of times, right, I had a lot of fear going in, especially when I was going into business, um, even pushing on to the next level. Um, but I've also noticed, right, it's not what if, but it's even if, and having that faith and keep on consistently pushing forward. And I think you really touched upon it. Thank you very much. So yeah. um, coming down to it, you finished up your career now. And let's say you're you're about like you know you're about to enter into the draft, right? You're, you're you're able to talk to your younger self, and you're trying to give advice to the young Augustine. What kind of advice would you give to him, and uh, who's wanting to play professional, or other players that want to play professional? What's one piece of advice you could give to um, the young Augustine? Learn the technique. Learn the technique. Technique is everything. Um, I remember being the guy that spends so much time lifting weights. Mm. And lifting weights is great. It's great to be strong and athletic and and fit, but technique is everything. How much you can use 
this versus that is the difference. How you can use your mind versus your body. I would, my approach now is 70-30. 70-30 as in 70% how your mind works and 30% physical ability. You need both, but 30% is good enough for the physical um, aspect of being able to push through sports. If you know how to use 70% of your mind um, to, to what, like you see patterns, you see how this guy moves and then you counter it. You see the move that you make, you know he knows you're gonna go left, so you go right. He knows you're gonna go left, so you go left, then you come back to right. Then you fake back to right again, then you go to the left. It's just, it's knowing how to show one thing and do another. Learning how to like maneuver around people, learning how to see what this person is doing consistently, so you counter it. Those stuff are mind stuff, and there is no, um, there's not a whole lot of, of emphasis on teaching people how to use their mind. The mind is the power, the most powerful tool there is, more t- tougher than the body. Um, going back to religion in the Bible, David killed Goliath, and David was a small person, and Goliath was the biggest person. Right. He knew where to hit him. He was directed by God where to hit him with the stone in the head, and he knocked him out. If he used his strength, he would get crushed. So uh, technique always destroys just physical ability. Um, as, as tall as I am, for example, I'm six foot ten and strong. If I try to, to wrestle you <clears throat> and you are a black belt in jiu-jitsu, mm. You're going to put me down, <laughs> excuse me, on my face in 1.2 seconds. So how are you able to do that when you're smaller? Technique. So what I would tell young, you know, most people is perfect the technique. Mm, awesome. That's, that's amazing. We just came full circle about that. Definitely <coughs> awesome things. Um, Awesome. I want to actually read you this quote because this whole, basically this whole podcast kind of started from the inspiration of Kobe Bryant. Um, you know, right. he recently passed away a couple months ago and, you know, we're really sad about that. But one thing that I left behind and what I took back about his story about Kobe was just a legacy he was able to leave behind. Right. And I want to actually show you this quote and I want to kind of know your thoughts about it. Right. He says, basically talks about greatness and he says the most important thing is to try to inspire others so that they can do great and whatever they want to do right so looking back on Kobe's career right a guy coming just wanting to play basketball but pursuing that to the highest level being able to inspire so many people wanting to do great for themselves and even after basketball right he was getting into different business ventures and he was succeeding so high right so now, you know, transitioning that over to you is in a question, like, what would you like to leave behind and what kind of, um, what would you want to be remembered as? Uh, I want to be remembered as someone that was a doer of things and, and someone that did things well. Um, doing something for me is not just enough. Doing it really well makes you remarkable, makes you memorable. Um, and I also want to be someone that inspires people. Um, it's not just enough that I'm, that I'm doing well. It's better when I get other people to see their light in them that they don't even see and get them to shine brighter and get them to excel. Um, so I want my legacy to be um, more than ever, I think, just being someone that people um, were able to talk about 
on a high level to say, wow, like, you know, Augustine is such and such kind of person mm -hmm. um, based on my character, based on how I inspired them, based on how I treated them. Mm -hmm. um, they say people will forget everything you give to them and you do for them, but they never forget how you make them feel. So my agenda uh, for my life and my um, legacy is to make people feel remarkable and believe in themselves that they can do remarkable things. Awesome. Wow. Well, thank you so much, Augustine. This is a great pleasure. Um, if they want to find out more about you, um, how can they find you? Um, you can find me on Instagram at uh, august.okusen. That's A-U-G-U-S-T like the month, uh, I'll say it again, A-U-G-U-S-T dot O-K-O-S-U-N. Uh, that's how you can find me on Instagram. And um, my first and last name is Augustine Okusen. Uh, if you just Google me, you'll find me on Facebook. Um, you can see his highlight videos. He'll ball you up. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, yeah, you can just, just reach out to me and uh, if there's any way I can help out, um, I'll definitely do that. And I'm looking to be more involved even more now that I'm, I have more time in my hands in the, in the community, in the LA community, uh, with motivation, speaking, and um, inspiring people to do, you know, great things. So if you see me around, just, you know, uh, just, you know, reach out and, and, and you know, let's, let's talk. Definitely. I mean, if you definitely get the chance to meet with Augustine, I mean, this in itself, this uh, hour that we had together, you know, so much valuable information. I highly encourage you all, you guys, to at least touch base with him. And you can give he's someone that is a great tool to uh, reach out to. So thank you very much for your time. And with that being said, one last question, Augustine. What's your definition of greatness? Definition of greatness is being the best, being the best at what you do. Uh, whether it's in sports, whether it's in, um, in, in whatever area, in business, being the striving to being the best at what you do and and but doing it also with class doing it with dignity and treating people well um i think that's 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 pretty great to me that's somebody that i look at wow that's a great you know person or that's a great uh endeavor that he encountered is just you know the our ability to to just do remarkable things um but doing it with class and, and making sure everyone and not hurting someone in the process. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. Hope you guys enjoy this episode and keep on achieving your greatness. Take care. <laughs>